Hello and welcome to the 159th recording of the Stone Cold Sober Podcast. Uh, Happy New Year to everybody. Happy we're New into, Year, guys. We're, we're into 2018. Oh, God. What happened in 2017? So fast. It flew. It flew. I was just telling my sister about this the other day. I feel like I feel like so much happened in 2017, and yet it feels like the distance or the time, like the um, the time between this year and last year, I, I just feel like it was like a month ago, maybe. I mean, some big things happened in 2017. Yeah. Some really big things happened in 2017. Started off, what, Trump was inaugurated in January? Well, not even uh, that. I'm talking about, like, personal stuff. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. I was just I was just making it away from uh, the personal stuff. No, I was going to bring it back. I was going to bring it back. I got married. So I was married. just thinking, like, yeah, you I got moved. married. I got, I moved. You moved. You moved as well. I moved. Yeah. I just got my new lease renewal, and, uh, boy, they're trying to do your boy dirty. Uh, <laughs> but... Like, I was just thinking, like, man, it's already been 10 months since I've lived here. Like, that felt super fast. It's been 10 months. You moved in. You moved in in, was it March? Well, April 1st. So I guess nine months. April. Oh, okay. Okay. I was about to say, it was. I didn't realize it was that cold when you moved. Yeah, it was chilly. It was definitely chilly. Oh, it's um, been brutal out here these, these last, uh, this last week. Yeah, man. I mean... So I I got to feel it for real, like that biblical cold up in Vermont uh, every year, oh, yeah. as you know. I like to celebrate the new year with a couple of friends up in a house that we rent. And we basically just cook the entire time and we play board games till four in the morning every day. You know, healthy lifestyle. <laughs> but uh, the average temperature in Chester, Vermont, where we stayed, probably a high of like three or four and a low of like negative ten to negative twenty. Like one night I saw negative okay, twenty-two. I I had it bad. Yeah, it's it just felt like your face was freezing in real time when you walked outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why do we do this, dude? I it, it was uh, I want to say the high around here in Delaware was about fifteen degrees the last few days. Maybe nope. maybe it got up to twenty, but a lot of the time it's just been like ten. You know, nine, ten degrees. Yesterday yeah. it was like five when I was coming back home. It's just this super bitter cold. Today I went for a walk and I was outside for about half an hour and I'm just like taking my scarf and I'm just like shoving it up all, all around my face, man. Right. It's like, I gotta get my face out of this. It's not a good look. Oh God. It's just, it just, it hurts so much. And we're only in the beginning, right? Because very, very beginning of winter, very beginning of winter. And we're about to get hit with a cold front starting on Saturday. High of single digits in New York. What's it like around you? Do you know? Um, I don't know. Let me, uh, I was about to pull out my phone. I have to imagine it's about the same, but I'm honestly not sure, certain. I was literally, I was literally taking out my phone because I was curious to just to check out the forecast for the upcoming week. Um, so let's see. Over the next 10 days, it looks like it's going to warm up just a tad bit toward the, the latter half of this week, but then mm-hmm. it's going to, eh, it's, it's actually not that bad for us. We no. got, 44 degrees on Monday, 41 is the high on Tuesday. I mean, whether or not that actually stays, you know, time will tell. But that is actually the first day above freezing for the, uh, over the next, uh, like six days or so between today, between today and Sunday. The, the, the highest that we get to is 32 and much the rest of the time (laughs) we're in single digits. So. I'm looking forward. I never thought I would say this. I'm looking forward to that 44 degree. 
Oh my god, yeah. Like when we were in Chester, we found out that the day or two after we were leaving was gonna be up to twenty six. We're like, oh man, might as well be shorts and a hoodie weather outside. Oh. So how man. did you celebrate uh sort of the holiday season into the new year? What were you up to? Right. So last time we spoke, because we did we did an episode early, and right now we're doing a little bit delayed. But uh, totally. So right, isn't it funny? Like we've been doing this for how many years now? And you know what? New Year's resolution to be better, and we're 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 stumbling out the gate. We're off. Yeah, we're, we messed up. So the last time we recorded, I think was the week before Christmas. We did two episodes, and as you know, or you would, as listeners might remember, at least I was going to Florida. I was going to Orlando to celebrate um, uh, Christmas, or at least the week leading up to Christmas. And so we came back home on the twenty fifth. But, but Orlando was nice. We, we stayed, I think what I said, I think I said I, we were staying at like an Airbnb, but yeah. it was actually not true. We, for, so for the first like five days, we were staying in this hotel. Uh, it was called, the, I think it's called Westgate or was it West Lake Resorts? And, oh, cool. uh, it's kind of like a timeshare type of thing. So we had, we had a week in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you have to check in on Saturday. I think like they have like a check in, check out day. So you you had to check in Saturday. So Lena's sister, she got about two nights there by herself and we arrived on Monday. But I don't, I don't know if I told you this. I, I can't remember. Um, our flight, our flight got severely delayed. We were, you told me a to... little bit about that. We were, we were uh, slacking each other and okay. I was like, well, how okay, are you not taking right. off yet? Yeah, that's right. So we were supposed to leave, I think at about, was it like seven, seven thirty, I think. I think around seven thirty and Set on the plane, I had downloaded a bunch of movies onto my tablet. I brought my Switch, so I was, I was pretty set, you know. It's only like a two and a half, two, two and a half hour flight. So, I was basically prepared to, uh, watch The Hateful Eight. Right. Cause I, I bought that movie a year ago and I hadn't watched it. And funnily enough, it's now on Netflix. But, I downloaded the movie. I was watching it. We were sitting on the plane for like half an hour. They tell us that there's some maintenance issue. They basically is. can't start one of the engines. They're like, they, we have alternate ways to start the engine, but because, we want to ensure that, you know, the flight's as safe as possible. We got to have somebody come check it out. So they were checking it out. We're all sitting on the plane. I got through about an hour, 15 minutes of this movie, about halfway through this movie. Mm-hmm. And we were told that we were going to, we were able, we were able to take, uh, get off the plane if we wanted to. So we were basically just sitting there, but we had actually left the gate, came through this, the runway and then we circled around. We came back to the gate. It was actually a different gate and. They were working on the plane, and then they, after like an hour or so, they were like, "All right, you guys can get off the plane if you need. Stretch your legs, go to the bathroom, get some food." So we did that, and then and, and most people didn't leave the plane, and we uh, then we found out that they were going to put us on a different plane. So before we got put on the different on a different plane, Southwest they were, they they announced that they're going to be giving us all two hundred dollar vouchers toward a future flight, which is pretty awesome. I guess that's the I, least they could do. Yeah, I, I've I mean I've been delayed. And I don't think I've been delayed that badly, but I certainly have had flights that were canceled on me when I was at the airport, and I've never been given any compensation other than, oh, here's a ticket for another flight that leaves later, you know, but we're not going to give you anything for the time lost. So I thought it was pretty nice. I, w- I certainly wouldn't expect that at all. So we, uh, Lana and I got a, uh, we got, we got a, we got a future flight paid for, at least partially paid for. And, uh, we ended up getting into Atlanta about like 1 a.m. But while we were there, I was pretty damn productive. I'm not going to lie. Work wise, I got a oh, lot yeah. of work done. And we, uh, we went to Disney. We, there's like four parks at Disney World, which I didn't know. What are uh, the four parks? Uh, gosh, I, I think it's, I think it's Animal Kingdom, yeah. Epcot, which, uh, was kind of like a, it used to be an acronym. Can't remember what it stood for. 
Um, but it was kind of like, I think a bunch of businesses kind of together that pooled their money or something like that. They had this park and I guess since that's been disbanded, Disney owns it all, whatever, but they call it Epcot, but now it's no longer an acronym. So it's not all capitalized. It's, it's like, you know, just the E is capitalized and then the rest are lowercase. Um, there's Hollywood studios, which is where we went to. And then there's magic kingdom, which is like where the princesses are. Okay. So we did Hollywood studios, which is kind of like, uh, there's roller coasters and other attractions. So kind of, you know, those 3d type rides or the 4d experiences. We did that. Um, and we did most of the rides. I can't remember what podcast I was hearing this on, but I think it was, I want to say it was Bill Burr, someone who wrote to him and was explaining the concept maybe. You know, most parks are like Six Flags, you, even Universal, you can pay for a fast pass, which basically yes. allows you to pay to get into the quick lines. And after years of never using that, when I was going to the parks with my family, I went to uh, Universal Studios with my brothers, with my two older brothers, and we paid for the fast pass. And goddamn, I was like, I'm never coming to an amusement park and not paying for a fast pass again. Those you, you just don't wait two hours anymore. Like right. the longest that you wait is like thirty minutes. And and there are many times where the line, the normal line will be like over an hour and the fast pass line will be like five minutes. And so like there were there were rides that we just like, yo, that was baller. Let's run that back. Right. <laughs> we would just run right back through the line. Well, at Disney it doesn't work that way. You can't pay for a fast pass. What you can do is you you um you can plan your trip early. I don't know how you do this exactly, like how how much in advance you have to do it, because we just got the tickets that morning, and then we just rolled up. So let's just say like at least a week in advance, maybe longer. I don't know, but you basically say, okay, I want to ride, I want to ride like for sure these two rides, right? Let's just say it's like uh, the Aerosmith roller coaster, which was actually really awesome, and I want to do Toy Story Mania, also very awesome ride. So you say, okay, I want to do those two rides, and I want to do them at two o'clock and four o'clock respectively 2 p.m 4 p.m you then like register yourself your ticket with those times and then you just show up at that time you swipe your thing and it lets you in and then you go through the fast line but i don't think you could ride it again after that you know with a fast line that is like so i don't think you could like ride it at 2 p.m be like yo that was baller i'm running back aerosmith i don't think you could do that so you you, you just can't pay for the benefit at this park. And it also makes it a little complicated, though, because, you know, m- many of these rides, they have unpredictable weights. So say you ride something at 2 p.m. and then you ha- your next ride is at 3 p.m., right? You got an hour but to kill between that, between that, the, the, between your two rides. And there's like no ride with a line that's shorter than an hour. So that you kind of just have to wander around the park for an hour and do it and do nothing. So that way you can make your 3 p.m. ride. Gotcha, gotcha. I'm pr- I'm pretty sure that's how it works. I'm pretty confident that that's that's the situation with it. But uh, yeah, we didn't we didn't have it, so we just waited in all the lines. But we we hit just about everything that we wanted to hit. I think there was maybe like some type of Star Wars ride or something that we didn't do, but we we hit like all the major stuff. Um, then what else did we do? I'm trying to think. Did we do anything? Did you have fun while you were out there? Like. Oh yeah, yeah. I had a lot. Like, of is that something that you'd want to do and like see the other guys at the other parks? I think I would like to see the. I, I think I would like to see Epcot because I think that's where the, some of the other roller coasters are. Um, but I think I, I'm. I think like Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom. I think I think that's what they are. I I'm, I'd be fine seeing those when I have kids. You know, like I don't think Magic Kingdom is a place that an, an adult really wants to go because 
for the most part, it's just like meet and greets. You know, you want to meet. Oh, Mickey, yeah. You want to stand in line for an hour to meet Mickey. You know, I'm a, I'm a grown man. I don't really, I'm not really trying to get my picture taken with Mickey. So I'm fine. Do you have to I'm pay fine for that it. kind of stuff? Like to pay to go get a picture with Mickey or is it just like finding Mickey? I want to say no. I think Mickey is in a house and I think you just wait for it like you would wait for a roller coaster. Mm. Yeah. So I think you just kind of like they have they have the you know the the line the the taped off line and you're just kind of navigating through building a building with all sorts of like pictures and designs and stuff. And then eventually Mickey's there, you you get a picture and then you dip. But I think like other like princesses, I think they kind of wander around the park, but they probably have more than one princess too. You know, it's not like there's just one Cinderella in the park at a time. At least I don't think so. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm fine with with that being my only experience for for some time. But it was definitely it was definitely good to do. It was worth experiencing for me at least, just because I had never done it before. Um. But yeah. So anyway, I, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna to dwell. On, on the the Orlando trip because there's there's other stuff to talk about. So we got back on Christmas Day or Christmas evening, really the the evening of Christmas Day, and uh, that was around the same time that all my siblings were coming home. So all my all my siblings were coming home as well as my soon to be sister in law, uh, Muhammad's Muhammad's uh, fiance and his son, and then uh, Mustafa and his wife came home. So. We hung out, you know, periodically. I just stayed at, I stayed at my place, but then I would go, I would go visit. So I, I think I worked for my parents' house a couple of times. And then we did an escape room on New Year's Day, our New Year's Eve, sorry. Nice. Um, apparently they were trying to do a four, a four star escape the room, you know, four out of five Whoa. star in terms of difficulty. And this is the same location where we did the, sh- the, uh, Shawshank Redemption one last year, which yeah. I, which I was telling you about. I love that one a lot. And I was only disappointed with the ending. And I was actually telling Lena on the way there that my, my issue with that one, which I think I was talking to you about recently. I don't remember if it was on the podcast or not, was that there was no indication. Like we had to find these postcards and use this postcard to, to get the, to work out this math equation, which gave us the combination to the safe to get the key to leave the room. But there was no way to tell us. There was no way that we could know how many postcards we needed. And I think some of them, like, there was no clear-cut way that you really were able to. Like, you might walk into a room and there was, like, a postcard in a book. But if you didn't look at that book, then you wouldn't you wouldn't know that you were missing a postcard, for example. But anyway, we, we went to that same place and we did a Sherlock Holmes-themed one, which um, <laughs> the guy who was describing it to us was like, it's really not Sherlock Holmes-themed, per se. It was actually a lot more clue-themed. They, it, it's just like a series of of locks and. Well, wait. If it's not, then why do they say it's Sherlock Holmes? The only thing that was Sherlock Holmes themed was a picture of London on the wall. Why? And like a couple like pipes scattered throughout the room. They just needed a theme, I guess, for their hardest room, so they went with that. And I gotta say, unhappy man. Well, he was really. Like, I'm not. Yeah. So, um. He, he said, he didn't tell us the, the, uh, the success rate beforehand. He, he offered it to us. We said, no, just tell us when we finish. Apparently only seven groups have finished the room. Like out ever? Of like thousand. Yeah. Out of like the, 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 the few thousand that have tried it, he said, only seven have ever gotten out the room. Sounds like a broken and mechanic. <laughs> so there were 14 locks in the room. Jesus. And there was like, there was no like, the, the only way out was the way in. And, you didn't really need a, a key to get out. You know, they were just going to keep track of all the locks that you unlocked. And once you got the 14th one, then you win. And 14 locks in an hour. Yeah. 14 locks in an hour. 
and so you get four a lot of them each? Have, yeah, something like that. But like some some of them were locked behind other locks, so you couldn't access them early, and uh, it wasn't clear. <laughs> you, you you know, like it, it's not like it was one at a time. So you know, some of them were accessible before others, but it was just a matter like a matter of searching for hints to access those locks. Um, there were like three locks that had combinations written in in like glow in the arc glow in the dark ink on the walls or on that London wall. But on that wall, there were there was like one kind of visible key code that was that was or I'm sorry a uh, combination that was listed. But then there were there were four that were embedded, and apparently one of those was a fake combination. So we got a hint on the board at one point and we had unlocked two of, of two of three locks that were on like the same little cabinet thing. And the third one, you, it was locked, but it was actually broken. So it was a drawer and you could pull it and, and access the contents within. And we didn't want to cheat. So we were like, we're just going to leave it closed because we need it anyway. They're not going to let us win if we don't unlock it. So, um, <laughs> Eventually, we ended up just taking the stuff out because they needed it for another puzzle that they were doing. But I spent so much time trying to find the combination on this wall. But the problem was to access to like make the stuff glow in the dark. You needed to shut off the lights, and everyone was working on this puzzle um, that required like a lot of time and attention that I couldn't shut the lights off. So I don't know. Like the, my my thing with Escape the Rooms is that there's it's really hard to balance the the number of people. I think because there's no way that you can have enough puzzles that occupy 10 people completely. And at times I, I like, I, I recognize that having 10 people crowd around one table isn't going to be productive. And so I just figure, okay, I'm going to let other people handle that puzzle because there's other stuff that needs to be done. But when I found out later on that this puzzle that they've been working on is taking like 25 minutes. I'm just yeah. not really doing anything. So I'm just kind of like wandering around trying to find, like trying to solve whatever lingering locks that we have. There are three locks that we hadn't unlocked. One of them was related to the, or two of them were related to the puzzle that they were working on. And then the one was what I was convinced was on the wall, but I couldn't turn off the lights because they needed the light. So that's, that's the thing I didn't like about it. It was more of a personal issue, I feel, rather than a room issue, maybe. Okay. But if you say so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It is it a, a it is a fine balance for escape the rooms to sort of be able to monitor and see the relationship between different activities in a room together so that like you said you don't want to be able to turn off the lights. Right. Cuz then it it kills everybody else. Everyone's right. got other stuff to do. So I know as soon as I turn off the lights or if I even ask to turn off the lights, you know, people they're they're working on other stuff and at the end of the day the only thing, the only reason I needed to turn off the lights was to open the lock, right? But we already had the contents of that drawer out. So it wasn't like turning off the lights was going to get us anything that would help them solve their clue, which they needed to do so that they can get the other two locks. So the thing, the, the, the real issue was just that, um, up until that point, that was the only puzzle that required a lot of time and a lot of attention and a lot of people. And basically what they were doing, like, it was, uh, you know those math problems where you ha- you kind of have to like arrange things sort of where you have yeah. to figure out where stuff belong based off the clues it's like you know A is before B but A is not the first thing and then C is right. the first thing but you know whatever it was that type of stuff but it was actually with clue pieces like the game clue mm-hmm. and so it was like trying to describe where certain people were like in in this uh in the estate 
where pre- people were, where possible murder weapons were located, and what rooms could possibly be the murder, murder location. And um, you have to do that to like work out this code to get you into one of the boxes. And lore-wise, there was no rhyme or reason for why this would be the combination to these little locks and stuff. But you know, for the sake of a puzzle, it made sense. What I found interesting is you're solving a lock when its sole win condition is to escape the room, even though you already have the contents inside. I feel like there's a a breaking game logic there. I don't yeah. think you should be able to get the contents out of something. Yeah, if and that's a lock, thing. right? Right. So remember, you were telling me about the one that you did with your family. How you guys had you you were able to like almost break something, right? With my friend and Jenny's you- family. Yeah, oh, Jenny. Yes, okay. yes, yes. Yeah. So we didn't want to do that, and we ended up doing it eventually because they needed they needed some pieces, they needed some information, all these cards, so they couldn't proceed without it. Um, and and for the sake of time, because we were getting low on time, they didn't have time to sit there and try to figure out how to get into that lock. We were sitting there because we already had a combination. It was like six, eight, one, but it wasn't working on the lock, and so we were trying to figure out what you know what could you do. And it turns out that that 681 was just not a real number or not. It didn't unlock anything. It was written on the wall, but it wasn't, you know, it was just a red herring. There was another combination that we needed that we didn't see. And so um, at the end, he was like, uh, we were like, yeah, just so you get know that one of those drawers is broken. He's like, oh, no, no, we did that on purpose. Um, what? Just to kind of help people out. And I was like, but how would I know that? <laughs> you know? I don't know. So. That's weird, uh, dude. I don't know about yeah. that. Yeah, me too. So, uh, escape the rooms are a lot of. I, I I have a lot of fun in them. Um, I just got really frustrated with that one because I felt like I wasn't doing anything with the last like almost thirty minutes of my time, and I'm just kind of like wandering around. And again, like I said, it was more. It was kind of self imposed because I just recognized that we don't need everybody crowded around the table because and and, and after a certain point, when I realized, you know what, there's nothing more for me to do in this room. By that point, everyone was working on this stuff for like 10 minutes and everyone being like six of the other people that were there. There were like three of us that weren't like at that table because we wanted to give them space. And we also recognized, hey, there's no – we can't just walk over and be like, okay, explain to me what you're doing because there's no time to explain to us. you know. And and it's unlikely at least that we're going to be able to bring bring something new to the table when we haven't been following the logic of what you guys have worked out. So, Like to be a game designer – just requires you to be overthinking all the edge cases and it just felt yeah. like with this one this quote-unquote sherlock slash clue version they some more fine-tuning needs to happen because if only seven people get through it over the course of thousands i think there's something broken yeah i, I can understand that i i didn't ask how close we got relative to other people i mean he worked us through the logic of everything that we needed to do to get done and i will say that the th- we we were two we were two locks away the one that i was trying to figure out and one more with the key that would that would lead to our our, our uh, escape but i felt like we were really far like so the way we were able to get into the the into one of the three remaining locks was basically um figuring out three or no sorry yeah yeah three of the five numbers that we needed and those were based off of like the rooms, these little ID numbers. So like this person in this room with this weapon and there were ID tags associated with each of those people and, and items. And so we, we were like certain of like two of them. And so we just started like working through the other possibilities. 
So it was like, okay, we have one, five, and three, and we know it's either this weapon or this room, but we're not sure which one. So let's just try a bunch of combinations. And one of them worked, but we were so low on time that we didn't have time to figure out, okay, this is the one that worked and we have to remember that. And then it also turned out that for the last puzzle, we had to also, we had to work out five things. There was a murderer, there was an accomplice, there was a weapon, there was the room of the murder, and then there was also the getaway route. And there were, like, on the backs of the clue cards, there was uh, information given, so it was, like, possible murder weapon, possible escape route, something like that. And then the, uh, the like, the file, the case file, said stuff like, um, it would say something like, Kind of like what the, the previous stuff would say, you know, figuring out, um, you know, the order of things like, you know, A before B, but not the first item, blah, blah, blah. You kind of had to work through that logic as well. But then you also had to utilize the information on the backs of these cards. So you might be able to work it down to like three potential murder rooms, but only one of those three rooms would say potential murder room. Gotcha. And, and we didn't even come close to figuring that out. We just didn't have time to figure out what that last puzzle really entailed. So we were like trying to just figure it something out. And I feel like for, oh, and they forgot to start the clock on us. So we had like, we probably had close to an extra 10 minutes on the room. And I feel like for us to really finish, we probably needed an extra 10 minutes maybe to get that one, okay. to get that one lock and then shut the lights off again and try to find out that last that last glow in the dark number. So I want to say we were relatively close, but at the right. same time, I feel like, I feel like we were just so like lost at the end that it would have taken just extra time. Like, you know, when you work on a test, right? And you're working on like a really long problem and you've been working on it so long that you've just lost track of where you've been. Right. And you don't really oh, know how don't to work logic that. out. And then the time is ticking. You like got like five minutes left. You don't have time to start over, but you don't have time to really figure out where like how to get to where you need to be. So you just start trying to scribble stuff down to get as close to the possible, like some potential partial credit. Yeah. Just possible. please God, give me as much partial credit <laughs> as possible. Exactly. That's, that's how it felt because time was so low. We just didn't have time to like work our way back and, and say, okay, here's what let's learn from our mistakes. Let's, let's come back. Let's, let's reset real quick. We know exactly what we needed. We just didn't have time for that. So it was just kind of a mad dash of almost guessing and trying to figure stuff out. So nice. Not um, nice, but nice. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that that night was, uh, again, New Year's Day. So, or sorry, New Year's Eve. So we went back to, to my parents' house. We ate dinner and then uh, just kind of like played a bunch of random games. We played Werewolf. Have you ever played Werewolf? Yes, everyone's been playing Werewolf. Where, okay. Is it Werewolf or Werewords? Werewolf. It's it's uh, apparently the same game as, something, uh, as, as Mafia. Yes. But, yeah, so... Yeah. If you've heard of Werewolf or Mafia, then then that yeah, that's what we were playing, and uh, we played two games of it. I crushed it, man. I got, <laughs> I got, I got made the werewolf twice, and the first time I'd never played this game before, so I had to like work out a line. I had to like, I didn't want to say because so basically the concept of the game is there's two werewolves, right? Yep. This is just for for the listeners who don't know the game. There's two werewolves, and there's a bunch of there's three villager villagers, or we were playing with three villagers. And then there's a variety of other people who have certain abilities. There's a robber who can steal the identity of somebody else who could be a villager, could be a werewolf, could be anything else. Uh, there's a seer who has the ability to look at one person's card. There is a troublemaker who can swap two random people's cards, their, their identities. 
but like it these happen between rounds and between rounds everybody has to put their heads down so they can't see what's going on and each of these people would wake up and, and perform actions and then uh when the uh so like i think the seer can see no sorry the robber can steal somebody first then the troublemaker makes an action and then the seer can look at somebody's card now if the seer sees that there's a werewolf you can be like hey i'm a seer that dude's a werewolf. We gotta get, we gotta kill him. Cause basically during each round, you, you can vote one person off. You can vote to kill one person. And, uh, it's, it's a game. It's a tough game because if you're a seer and you know somebody's a werewolf, if there are two werewolves, you can kill one of the werewolves if you're able to convince everybody that that person is indeed a werewolf. But at the beginning, uh, the, the, or the, the, in the next intermission, the werewolf will just kill you. <laughs> that other werewolf will just kill you and then you're out the game so um i didn't start as a werewolf in either game i became a werewolf because i was a robber because right. i got the robber cards and i just like lay this lie down that people believed and they ran with it and it, the, that lie just like led to people being killed left and right <laughs> <laughs> and, and then when when people when the game finished they were like wait wait, wait what happened it's like so the first game lena was a seer and i said that i was a seer because i got the werewolf but i couldn't say I couldn't say that uh, that I was a you know obviously I couldn't say I was a werewolf and I think there was like only one villager at the time and I was afraid that the other villager would be like yo dude no come on and they would be able to convince everyone right and the seer hadn't hadn't disclosed their information yet so I just claimed that I was a seer and Lena just let it go she let me pretend to be the seer and uh, I ended up I we end, I ended up winning or I guess the werewolves ended up winning right uh, we played a similar game called Resistance. In How July 4th, the idea is like there's two groups. There's the government and there are the spies. And there are five missions that everyone's got to sort of – the group has to progress through. The government agents want government people to go on these missions because you have to vote as a group to send people out on missions. Okay. If the government wins, if three out of the five missions succeed – spies want spies to go on a mission and spies will win if three out of the five missions fail and the way that a success success or fail vote happens is once the people like once the overall group votes on say like a smaller group of people like if we played with like 10 people over on july 4th so yeah. you would have to send like five people and if Two, I think it's like if one or two people vote fail or to whenever you do like a blind voting of the, uh, of the, when you're on the mission, yeah. uh, that triggers a fail. And then you're trying to weed out who's a spy and who's not. And it's similar to this game where you're just basically yelling at each other to try and figure out like who is, who's lying and who's, uh, right. who's telling the truth. It's a great game. Yeah. I love this mechanic. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun to like, it, it, you really have to think on your feet and you have to be really good at, like as soon as, if you make a if you if you say a lie and it's pretty obvious you're done oh like yeah it's over the so round fast. is over for you yeah so you have to make the lie be believable and just kind of and and you have to like convince people this is who I am immediately and so I would and because people couldn't you couldn't so maybe maybe uh, I didn't explain it well enough because you you cannot look at your card after like uh, when the round's happening so when a troublemaker and a robber when they steal identities you you actually don't know who you are during a round when you're trying to defend yourself so 
if somebody, if the troublemaker swapped you with the werewolf and you were a villager previously, you think you're a villager, but it turns out that you've been swapped out and now you're a werewolf, but you have no idea unless the troublemaker says, I'm a troublemaker, I swapped you two. And then the other person says, oh, well, I was a werewolf, so you probably right, want to kill right. the guy that you, that you swapped with. Um, so what I had done was I, I was a robber and I claimed that I stole um, – I claimed that I stole Majub's card and I was like, Majub was a villager because I'm a villager now. So he's a robber and everyone just, everyone, everyone let that go. I was like, Oh, okay, great. And that lie, that lie allowed me to win at the end because the logic got so confusing with other people because there's so much arguing that one person thought that they had, that one person was convinced that Majub was the werewolf because she thought that, uh, I had swapped with him, but it turns out I had actually swapped with her, and I just lied about it, and it it led to uh, Majub's death, which led to me winning. Sorry, sorry, Majub, if you listen to this. Boom! Shots fired. Shots I fired. I know. So uh, yeah, we just played a series uh, of games, and about mid once midnight hit, we kind of just uh, we we toasted some uh, sparkling juice, and then Lane and I hit the road, came back home. But yeah, it was uh it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Nice. Glad to hear. Yeah. Yeah. The only, my only complaint is that my sister, Sarah, I don't think she listens to the podcast, but I'm fine if she hears this. Spent too much damn time playing Pac-Man, dude. Pac-Man on what? Pac-Man on the the NES, which uh, is running through an emulator on my Wii. They got like super into this last year when when, uh, when they were all home. I downloaded a few. I downloaded a few ROMs um, on on my Wii last year so my nephew could play some like super old school games because he was having problems playing like some some newer games and he was playing Pac-Man and then his dad came into the room my older my oldest brother and he was playing Pac-Man then my sister came in my sister's not even a gamer she didn't really play very many games she got super addicted to the Pac-Man and so they were going back and forth trying to compete with each other with the for the high score and so on New Year's Eve my sister was just in the room <laughs> like all night playing pac-man trying to beat high scores last night so which, which was the first new year's day she got a score that like was like eighteen thousand points higher than their previous high score and the previous high score was like fifty thousand. yeah so she she got to like sixty nine thousand, which is pretty damn high it's pretty tough to do that um i guess if you're not an expert at least uh so that as far as i know is this is the high scores the high the the standing high score right now but i'm sure that they were going at it today I mean, this sounds like your fault because you downloaded all the emulators. Yeah, and I took it. I took it over because the Wii was at my place, and I knew that they wanted to play it. So I took it over to the house a few days ago, and uh, yeah, it was kind of a mistake. That's funny. <laughs> anyway, uh, I've I've blabbed enough. Uh, tell me about your tell me about your holiday uh, week. So we sort of. Uh, I'll tell you mostly about. Uh, New Year's, we drove up to Chester, Vermont, and every year, not only do we miss the exit in New York City to get on the bridge, thanks Pat, uh, but we also stop at the same rest stop every time, which I think is pretty funny, to pee, like, randomly, and by every time I mean the last two times. Uh, <laughs> we play the geography game on the way up, uh, you know, the, the one where you gotta name a place and the last word or the last letter of the word you say is the first letter of a place that somebody else has to say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that game. Yeah. Well, I crapped out 
first out of five people again this year <laughs> because for some reason I can't remember when other people say places that have already been said. Yeah. Uh, but also, Pat, uh, if you're listening to this, once a cheater, always a cheater, uh, was just making places up. Oh, no. And then daring us to challenge. <laughs> And the rule that we came up for the challenge he, he was like, he played Narnia. Yeah, he was like one of them was Rangong, and we're like, and I was like, I was like, that's bullshit, bro. You can't even. But what's interesting was before this, he was knocking out like African cities left and right because he's been doing a lot of research on the into a trip to Africa. So he's been he was just you know banging out capital cities left and right, uh, and then all of a sudden he goes Rangong. I was like, dude. You do not know Southeast Asia like that. Like, you cannot even play. And he goes, challenge. And I go, why do you have two strikes? And the way we did the challenge system was, if you challenge and get it right, you lose a strike. They pick up your strike. But if you lose, you get an extra strike. Okay. So I was like, I don't want to lose on like a, like a BS charge of it, like Rangong <laughs> actually being real. Uh, I looked it up. Nah, dude, that, that is so made up. Not real at all. Anyways. Make it I, to the- I, res- I, res- I respect the Pat. I respect that. Oh, yeah? Che- uh, I respect I respect the play. Is that one yeah. of those game-recognized yeah. game? Game-recognized game. Yeah, cheater-recognized cheater. Recognized cheater. I, got, I, I, was, I was I was lying left and right in Werewolf. Yeah, but you that's part of the game, though, bro. That's part of the game. Yeah, This no, ain't but, part but, of the game. But this was part of the game, too. You, you, you have the challenge rule for a reason. It's like playing Scrabble. No, it's not like playing Scrabble. There's no penalty for, for challenge. No, there is. No. Is there? Yeah. If you challenge and someone's right, there's there's a penalty. Oh, you know you're right. I'm like right like if I lay the word book down, you go challenge. All right, all right. Yeah, you don't no, lose your turn. You don't lose your turn yeah. for losing a challenge. Right. Yeah. So, but but there's a penalty for him getting caught in a lie. Well, yeah. Well, but what I'm saying about Scrabble is, if you put the word book down and I challenge yeah. and you get it right, I lose a turn. Oh, oh, you do lose. Oh, okay. Never mind that. I don't yeah, know, but is, I also this, just made that up. That sounds right though. All right. Well, if that's the case, yes, it's part of the game, man. All right. Well, listen. Anyways, anyways, once a cheater, always a cheater. Uh, Pat, public enemy number one. Uh, we made it to the house. House is gorgeous, really rustic, massive kitchen. Uh, and then we decided, all right, let's figure out what we're cooking. And similar to what we did last year, we made a lasagna. We made a six-layer lasagna. Came out gorgeous. Uh, and then we just started playing games. I think the first night we played a lot of Uno. Uh, Uno is definitely a, a game where you know we we there's some house rules and whatever, but we we fly through that, mm-hmm. and then play a little bit of chess at like three in the morning. Uh, because my friend Greg likes to play chess, and he also really likes to play it really late in the more uh late at night. So he uh, he beat me that first night. Uh, the next day cooked a massive breakfast, and then we just started playing like all different types of board games that we brought. So. Greg and Steph, they brought Pandemic, which is basically a game where you play together against the board to try and uh, cure all the diseases. Uh, we beat it on the normal difficulty, but on hard difficulty, we got our asses handed to us. Uh, and then we played uh, Monopoly Deal, which is a Monopoly card game I brought. Oh, right, without the board, right? Without the board. And we must have played, I think we probably played 40 games of that. Everyone was obsessed with that game, which I really appreciate. That's- that's the one you were playing on the train when you were in Russia, right? In Sweden, but yeah. Oh, Sweden. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I remember you telling me about it. I was shocked to tell when you told me that the games are super quick. They can be super quick. Yeah, 
they can be as quick as like 10 minutes or they can take about 30 minutes. Yeah. But, uh, they're short games. Like if a game takes 30 minutes to finish, that's a really short game. Okay. Um, and then we started playing later, like the next day we played, uh, Ticket to Ride. Where you're basically, yeah, of like, yeah these, I've never played that still. It's a great game. Uh, we should play it one of these days, but you're basically like these, uh, train barons and everyone's got these secret missions and nobody else knows. It's sort of like, uh, in Risk, how you have like these win conditions and nobody else knows. Uh, but in Ticket to Ride, your win conditions are, you've got to connect two cities in America. If you do, you get a massive bonus. If you do, the potential right. bonus that would have been added to your score gets deducted from your score. And if okay. there are five people competing and there are limited train routes to get around the country, like you start like inadvertently blocking people. And, uh, it's, uh, people were really addicted to that game too, because it was a nice mix of strategy and, uh, like messing with other people and geography and history. They really liked that. Yeah. I brought another game called Takaido, which you might have heard of on Tabletop. Uh, oh, no, I didn't watch as much Tabletop as you. Yeah. you. Do you still watch that? Nah, but that's where I get a lot of, like, when I'm looking to buy a new board game, I definitely check Tabletop yeah. first. Tabletop is okay. this YouTube channel on Geek and Sundry platform where uh, they play these board games in front of you. They explain the rules. They get these fun celebrities and personalities to play, and I get a sense of pacing and fun and, you know, strategy and whatnot. And if I like it, then I'll pick it up. Yeah, it's hosted by uh, Sean Plot, I believe his name is. He goes by Day Nine. He was a former professional StarCraft player. Was that him? Yeah, I thought he was the one that did the the Magic the Gathering thing. But uh, wait, isn't I thought they were the same? Pre- I thought it was the same person. Nah, it's a different person. Get the fuck out of here! No, it's not. Yeah, bet. Okay, it's been too long since bet. I've seen this. It's been like it's been like a good three years since I've seen that show. Yeah, it's a it's a different person. I can't remember what that guy's name is. Wow. Okay. Will Wheaton does it. Oh, you're right. You were very right. Yeah, okay. Will Wheaton does yeah, it. Yeah, it's yeah, Will Wheaton. Okay, no, that's just me mixing up now because of the time. It's not that I actually thought it was him at the time. It's just been too damn long since no, I've sure, seen it. No, sure, sure. So, uh, is this great game where you're, uh, you're these travelers on this road from Kyoto to Eto, uh, or Tokyo to Kyoto or something like that. Anyways, it's basically, f- up to five players, and the great news is I brought games where, you know, five people were the max, and I like games where you're playing with the max number of players, because that's where strategy really gets involved. Yeah. And you're basically trying to accumulate points based on, quote-unquote, activities that you decide to do, from, like, in to in. There's, like, these five ins, and, you know, they're basically checkpoints in the game, and the... You're basically moving these little guys and you're picking up points like, all right, you know what? I am going to go to the market and see if I can buy something and get a point. Or I'm going to go to the hot spring and maybe get two points for that. Or I'm going to go to the temple and donate a coin and get a point for that. And it's basically trying to figure out what can I do to maximize my points, but also block you from getting your points. And the scoring in Takaido is usually you're, everyone is pretty much plus or minus five points within each other. So sometimes somebody will grab a huge lead, but somebody else can like jump right back. And the final tally is always like one or two. And there's a lot of ties in the game too, uh, which is nice. Uh, now that all this being said, I would be remiss if I said that, uh, Greg really won most of the games that we played. <laughs> Greg and Steph won a lot of Monopoly deal. Uh, Pat won Takaido. A few times, but 
when we did like the final night where we did like the Grand Prix of like, all right, we're going to play a little bit of Monopoly deal. We're going to play one game of Monopoly deal. We'll play one game of Ticket to Ride. We'll play one game of Takedo. And Greg won all three. So he, uh, you know, I don't get it because I didn't really win <laughs> at all this weekend now that I think about it. Uh, and it might have been because I was sick, but. Weren't you all sick? We, but you, you exactly. That's all I was just about to say. Thank you, Ressa. <laughs> we were all sick. Oh. You know, all the even playing ground. So I don't understand. Like, Reza, I Maybe brought the game. Maybe you were more game. sick than the rest. Maybe you were more sick than the rest. I brought the games, and I explained the games, and everyone else was beating me. Like, maybe that's the maybe that's the ruse. Maybe I make it seem like I'm trying really hard, but I'm really throwing the game <laughs> so that... <laughs> Two things. One, I, uh, do you own all these games? Yes. These are all yours? So, besides Pandemic, I own yeah. the Kaido, Ticket to Ride, Monopoly Deal. I also own Settlers of Catan, Haunted House on the like. I think it's called Haunted House on the left, uh, Resistance. I own all these. Nice. Okay. You got you got a lot of A-class games over there, huh? Trying to. Um, yeah. Secondly, I find, that, I find that beginners in many board games can just bring in this weird perspective that can throw so many people off. And especially since you're not like an expert, you know, like you you have experience, you've played the games, but right, maybe maybe these people maybe people are bringing in like some type of mentality that just like really throws you off, or just I don't want to say really throws you off, like uh, like you you couldn't even handle it or anything, but it just it 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 gave them something that that uh just allowed them to 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 beat everybody else. Nah, uh, you're right. You're right. Especially when there's other people, like it's not a one-on-one thing. So there's a lot of other people that can be manipulated in some in some sense. Right. At least you know I'm thinking relative to Monopoly, at least you know. Yeah, but uh, I'm always trying to build up a really solid board game collection. So I'm really happy with the ones that I have, and we're trying to get a board game night going. But it's also really hard to get like five people together. You know, normally during the week. Yeah. That's why I really like these New Year trips because I'm spending time with people I love. And all we're doing is we're cooking three big meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then we're basically huddled around the table playing board games the entire time. And I was actually thinking about it. Like, you know how we, I always take like those family photos where people are staring like at the camera, like those old timey ways where no one's smiling. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking about also starting to take photos of all of us huddle around board games so that if I, I'm always been thinking about creating like a, a coffee table book of these types of trips that we go on. And I think like on the when you're flipping through the book on the right side is like everyone on that trip, old timey photo staring at the staring at the camera. On the left side of the photo on the left side of the book rather, it's like a more candid shot of people huddled around a game or like a photo of the score list that we kept track of everything, you know. Uh, okay. I feel like that would be a nice touch. Yeah. Uh, like serious and yet super fun and all basically one big inside joke. Uh because we play like all of the games that I that we all brought are really beautifully designed, and when we get that really nice like Vermont light playing in the afternoon or whatever, I think it'd be a great photo to get all of us just like huddle around the table like with like our you know our dice or our little pieces or our trains or whatever. Uh, I really wish I thought about doing that, but you know the good news is I was totally off the grid in a sense because I had brought my phone and um, all these little, like external speakers. And I was the guy who was setting up all the Spotify playlists all day. So I basically checked my phone like two or three times a day. 
and it would just be to like clear out emails and to like you know not really not do too much texting at all just like listen to music and playing board games so it felt really good to disconnect yeah we rang in the new year like really quietly we had a dinner planned at a restaurant but then we were like at about five o'clock like you know what it's so cold out why don't we just like do some like why don't we make tacos we had some soup left we did that we played some board games we rang in the new year which is like everyone sort of hugged we toasted and then we went back to playing some board games Called it a really early night. Like, I think we called that like 2 a.m. It was our earliest night by far. And then we woke up, we cleaned the house, and then we uh, we made it back. Like it was everything we wanted. I think uh, every year, like last year, we only stayed, I think, three nights. This year, we stayed four nights. Uh, next year, we might stay five nights. So, so yeah. Sounds, yeah, sounds like it was a success, right? Yeah. Minus the sickness, of course. Minus the sickness, but you know, that's what happens when... uh I think I was sick before, and I had just, I was, like, on the verge of getting, like, I knew I felt a lot better, but I might not have been, like, totally better. Like, my immune system wasn't, like, fully 100%. And then yeah. going back to a super cold place like that, you know, it's just, you're just asking for trouble. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, those were, that's, uh, that's sort of my, uh, my celebration. What are you looking forward to in, uh, 2018? Uh, yeah. Dude, I'm looking forward to graduating and getting a job. I know this is super obvious. But it's been a long time coming for me. Um, I feel like I feel like this is a a major chapter that's going to get closed in my life, and I feel like I'll be able to better predict or just better see where my life goes over the next few years. Like it's not until I think that I get that first job where I, like I don't even know where I'm going to be living right. in, in a year or two, and so. It's hard for me to just imagine what, what my life will be like because I can't even pick a location yet. But so, so that's what I'm looking forward to the most. Um, yeah. What about you? Um, I'm looking forward to new opportunities, uh, professionally. I'm also looking forward to hopefully, um, just increasing and following up on all of the progress I made working out this year and like, you know, Hopefully, I'm going to try and run a marathon this year. That'll be crazy. Yep. Uh, yep. But like, I think that's my one big physical goal this year. And once I run a marathon, that's sort of it. Like, I don't think I'm going to run more marathons. I might run more half marathons. But I think I'm going to transition more to CrossFit soon. Oh, okay. Like, after the marathon. After the marathon, I'll trans- transition to CrossFit. Yeah. Just, like, new goals uh, yeah. to, to strive towards. So, speaking of CrossFit, Lena, you know Lena loves CrossFit. She's been doing CrossFit for close to a year now. And her her gym, they were all doing this offer, uh, 10, 10 classes for $10 on, like, they were doing this, like, 10 people, I think, on, like, just around Christmas, New Year, sometime you know, between Christmas and New Year. So um, I ended up booking 10 classes. So I got to go in. I'm going to go in sometime either this week or early next week to meet with the owner. He he likes to interview everyone who comes in just to kind of get an idea of what they're looking for, yeah. their, their mentality, uh, kind of just talk to them about what they what they're all about and uh so I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to doing that i'm gonna give it a shot give it a shot i'm not sure if the cost of it because it's pretty expensive is sustainable for me at my current salary right now gotcha but what what i'm hoping to do at least is just take that experience and just really run with it because i've been out the gym for a while now i haven't been able to get a consistent timeline with it just be able to get a consistent workout and I mean, part of it is because I'm busy, but part of it just like, you know, laziness, I guess. Like, it's just not, it's not been in my routine. So I need to, I need to make it into, I need to make it 
into my routine. So, uh, we, we talked, we talked about a, a week or so ago about going to the, the gym on campus and especially with it being winter session right now. I actually wanted to go, um, uh, like two days ago, but they were closed. Um, they, uh, because, because it's winter session, there's not very many students around. So I should be able to just, you know, I shouldn't have to deal with the, the typical rush of everybody going to the gym at the new year because students aren't really around right now. So. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I haven't been going to the gym yet. My first gym session will hopefully be tomorrow. My body's up for it, but, uh, I can't wait for the, uh, arguably just a massive amount of people that are going to be uh going to be at the gym yeah i mean hopefully you'll be able to get in just like i don't know like just off peak hours that's what that's all i could hope for yeah that me i would like especially this time of year because like this time last year this time two years ago i was i was already like i was pretty consistent in the gym at this point right and um i would just find myself going like at 7 p.m maybe even 8 is 8 p.m because i just couldn't deal with all the people like by 7 p.m., you typically expect that rush of people to be dead. But I think at this time of year, there's the people are still kind of lingering. Some people do show up later than normal. So like 7:30, it's kind of like it starts to die down. Um, I can't, I, I can't stand that rush, man. The rush of people. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Um, so, uh, hopefully, uh, Hopefully that's what we get for 2018. You know, best of luck to everybody. I know 2018's got a lot of opportunities for us. Let's uh, let's go out there and get it. Yes, sir. Cool. Let's end it there. All right. Well, I'm Razzle. I'm Sandy. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you guys next week.